millions of Australians know all too well how it feels to have their most personal data stolen. Now the federal government wants to ensure millions more don't suffer the same fate. For too many years, Australia has been off the pace. Our government is determined to change that. We want to use your expertise and your experience to build a national cybersecurity strategy that is practical, that's useful and that's adaptable. So that strategy unveiled by the Prime Minister this afternoon will be led by a new national coordinator. For now, that's the only certainty with the government to consult experts on more ambitious ideas. One option being considered is banning ransom payments, making it illegal to negotiate and pay cyber criminals. Dr Jeff Foster is an Associate Professor in Cybersecurity Studies at Macquarie University. Welcome to you. Thanks for having me, Andy. The Prime Minister says Australia is off the pace. Just how behind are we when it comes to securing Australia's cyber systems? Well, it depends on what you mean by securing Australia's cyber systems. We do have some of the best cybersecurity professionals there are in Australia. Uh, But what we do like is a lot of government regulation and a lot of the ability to actually have uh, good responses from industry that's mandated and required. So when you look at the cases of Optus and Medibank, for instance, we we had this issue of their responses uh, being very slow and not being very helpful at first, uh, and the government having to step in and help out in ways that the government had no systems set up to be able to do. And so what they're trying to hope change with this uh, discussion around cybersecurity and their new roles they announced today is to try to create ways for the government to actually be beneficial within the cybersecurity framework. Yeah, and, and some of the talk has been about reducing the quibbling between the private sector and government or, um, you know, mm-hmm. national security organs over who's, exactly whose responsibility is this. The government is appointing a new national cybersecurity coordinator to lead a dedicated office within the Home Affairs Department. Will it have the teeth it, 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 that are that, that's required to do that job, do you think? Well, we'll have to see because at the moment there's not a lot of information other than the title. Uh, the the statement that came out, the strategy that came out and was released today for discussion, I think will probably be uh, a discussion point amongst industry professionals to submit and they'll set up reforms, policies and changes to acts to give those powers to that office. But what those powers will be haven't really been set up yet. One policy that's being floated is prohibiting ransom payments. We know Medibank was extorted and uh, didn't pay. Uh, we, we assume that some companies do, although it's difficult to know for sure. How common is this practice in Australia where companies cough up to get back their data? Uh, it's quite common. Uh, it's common worldwide. And there's a variety of reasons for it. Uh, so Claire O'Neill, the Minister for Cybersecurity, has made these statements in the past about in, an interest in banning ransomware payments. Although what was released today is a bit more nuanced, and she starts to make some of the distinctions of types of ransomware payments. So when we see an Optus and Metabank, that's the most common kind that occurs, which is they've stolen the data and they're asking for a payment to keep the data secret. And in those cases, payment's a bad idea. It's not going to change anything. Your personal medical records from Medibank were leaked anyways. Eventually, they're going to go out. But the problem comes in is the second type of ransomware payments. These are the ones that people do tend to pay a lot. And that's when they actually get in and don't just steal your data off of the systems, but do what they were trying to do with Medibank, which is to encrypt and lock up all the systems, software, and backups of the company. When that happens to a small or medium-sized business, it pretty much means you pay the ransom or you shut down your business for good. 
And it's really difficult for a business to say, I don't want to pay the ransomware when it's either pay it or go out of business. You get the feeling that companies do want to keep the door open to paying ransoms if they absolutely have to, but also would probably support this general attitude, whether it be a policy attitude coming from uh, the government or or us as a nation, that it's just not something that's going to be entertained. I mean, do do, do you see what I'm saying? Do you think that there there is this appetite to deter, but also deal with the problem if they have to? Yeah. Uh, so there's, and there's a lot of ways of deterring that. And one of them is having the government come out with a blanket statement that says we recommend not paying ransomware. And in fact, they have done that in the past. The other one uh, that they've, that I've, I've made a recommendation for in the past and today's policy actually asked that question specifically is whether or not you don't just, you don't ban it for victims to pay the ransomware, but ban insurance companies for reimbursing from the ransomware. So right now, your insurance people's cyber insurance policies can actually have a clause that says if you get ransomware payments, we'll pay X amount of dollars for it. So what happens in a lot of these cases is once they steal, these hackers steal all the information, they steal your insurance policy too and say, well, look, you've got an insurance policy for $200,000 in ransomware payments, so we'll just charge you $200,000 in ransom. You don't have to pay anything, the insurance will pay. So that's one of the questions in there. And so if you reduce that and you get rid of that ability for insurance to pay, it just makes it all more difficult so that people only pay in those most severe scenarios. If we did ban paying ransoms, I believe would be the only jurisdiction in the world to do so. Mm. Would that uh, therefore or automatically make us a global leader in cybersecurity? I mean, the, the government wants us to be that, but surely it's, it's more than just this blanket ban. Well, I think being the only one that does something doesn't necessarily make you a leader. Uh, there's a reason a lot of them don't, and, and that's because of, of the fact that it'll push those ransomwares underground. So people will still pay. Industry will still pay. They'll just push it underground. They won't tell anybody. If you're a, if you're a medium or small business and your choice is I pay $100,000 that I have or I go out of business, you just don't tell anybody and you pay, unfortunately, and it pushes it all underground. Bigger businesses get more loopholes because they're international. So they can suddenly pay out from some other jurisdiction and they're, they bypass it. But what happens when it's critical infrastructure? What happens when they take out a hospital and encrypt all those systems? How do you, how do you navigate the fact that the government has put a blanket ban and they can't pay it and that hospital has to shut down as a result? So it becomes more problematic to put these kind of blanket bans on, on, on ransomware payments. It's 24 past four on RN Drive. You're hearing from Dr. Jeff Foster. We're talking about the government's new cybersecurity strategy. Uh, and the other question that uh, this announcement begs, and I, I know that this is speculative because we ultimately don't have much detail yet, uh, but how would you police a ban like this? I mean, is it really a good idea to potentially penalise people for doing that? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that would be part of the aspect on it is, is if you're putting in these... But what what you're essentially going to do is either it's a criminal act or it's it's a fine act, and all it does is increase the amount of the ransomware. And again, it just will push all of this underground, and it won't. There's no evidence that will actually stop cyber criminals from attempting to extort ransoms. Mm. So we might just be creating these punishments for ourselves and pushing reporting of it underground, so we don't know when it's occurring, without doing any good. It's a serious concern within there, which is why I think a lot of countries haven't put these kinds of bans in place. In fact, the FBI went to the U.S. Congress and said exactly that, that if we put a blanket ban on, it will just push it underground and we won't know what's happening. 
The other interesting feature to this announcement, and I should refer to the AFR reporting here uh, that, and this is not coming from the government directly, but there are reports that the Australian Signals Directorate could be given authority to directly commandeer the IT systems of almost every company in mm. uh, Australia which suffers a cyber attack, end quote. That proposal comes from an expert group established by the government after last year's high-profile hacks. Pretty extraordinary experience. Uh, extensive measure would you welcome that idea well I, I don't think that the i don't think the document that came out today actually supports what what the australian financial review has put out before the document was released they're specifically referring to a question of whether or not the uh, australian in critical infrastructure act uh, should be expanded to include customer data so that would include those cases of telecommunications company healthcare companies it wouldn't necessarily apply, or none of the wording would suggest it would apply to any company, just ones that are deemed as critical infrastructure, which is a, a, a very wide berth of industries. Uh, so I, I think the AFR's kind of view is a, a bit extreme on there, but it does cause some concerns because it is healthcare data. And do we really want the ability for the government to step in in the case of a cyber incident and suddenly have a copy of all of our, our medical information and medical records? It causes problems in terms of what the government knows about you, but it also causes problems in, in essentially duplicating all that information to more systems where it can be leaked from. Mm. So it's yeah, don't it, necessarily know where the, where it actually solves a problem. Yeah, I think we need some more meat on the bones here to sort of really truly understand the direction. Hopefully, the consulting period will bear some of that meat. Uh, Dr. Jeff Foster, associate professor in cybersecurity studies at Macquarie University. Appreciate your time this afternoon. Well, thanks again for having me. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.